structures are not serving us well. We need to creatively destroy the ships that brought us here and move into the land of the future with better tools. Tools that keep us safer and healthier, that create more wealth for more people, that foster more intimate and rewarding relationships. We need to leave behind what is not working. We need a modern revolution. We invite here, they are thinking differently, and we'll tell you where you can learn all about them later, after you have listened to them closely. For now, we don't want to impress you with what they have done, we want to impress you with what they have to say. The Modern Revolution will be podcasted. Okay, well, welcome back to the Modern Revolution. And today we're very lucky to have Chelsea Jeter with us. And as you know, those of you who've been listening over the course of time with us, we don't spend time talking about the credentials of the folks we talk to. Instead, we encourage you to, to listen deeply to them. And then if you find that their ideas resonate with you and you wanna learn more about them, we're gonna keep our show notes now at uh, the three minute uplift and you can see in the blog section, the video of this. Uh, and we're gonna have a complete set of show notes that you can learn about Chelsea um, at the various places that she describes her services. So with that, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea Jeter, thank you for making time for us today. I'm excited that you're here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Well, terrific. Um, Look, we, we know that you know, you're, you're a multifaceted person, you're probably affecting the world in you know, various ways, but I ask people here to sort of sum up um, your work in a phrase, like you know, what, what problem are you trying to solve in the world? And, and how would you describe what you're doing in, in sort of more of a haiku than a novel? Like, let's, let's distill it down. Sure, so the short version of that is that I practice functional health, helping, helping high-performing health seekers with chronic skin weight and health issues to finally feel comfortable in their body. Okay. So it sounds like you have a broad set of knowledge and you've distilled that down to some specific things that you're interested in, in, in helping people. So, um, is there a root problem in the various things that you treat that you would describe? Like if you were to say what problem you're trying to describe or address in the world, uh, those seem to be manifestations of something, but is there something underneath that? Absolutely. <laughs> There's so many things that I could talk about here. Yeah, uh, tell, us, tell us about them. Yeah, I mean, some of the problems that I'm trying to solve in the world are definitely around the lack of access to information around wellness. Okay. I tell a lot of my clients that I don't even really believe in health issues anymore. I just believe in lack of information issues. Uh, and I mean, you know, there's so much that can go into that. Just the idea, the very perva pervasive idea that our bodies can just be broken and mm -hmm. just not work right. And with that idea comes so many people accepting discomfort and not having any idea that they can do anything about it. Right. So I'm, I'm very much about empowering people to know that there's always something that you can do 
to support feeling more comfortable in your body. Right. And yeah, that's definitely one of the issues that I'm very passionate about. Um, so you're yeah, in the education making, business, like you're, you're trying to teach, teach someone to fish, not necessarily give them a fish. It sounds like, like you're, you're trying to show them, how do you go uh, about learning? I mean, is that a fair description or? Absolutely. The way that I work with people, I work with them in three month segments. And then we reevaluate if they need me anymore. And ultimately I want them to not need me, Right. but I do think, and this is another issue that I think is important for people to understand, you know, I think that there's been a lot of gaslighting in the wellness industry, in the medical industry. I think a lot of people have been pushed to feel like if they're going to find answers for their body, they have to do it all by themselves. I know I did <laughs> when I was going through some health issues. So I feel like now people are just really even, they just don't even think to reach out for wellness support unless there's something really, really wrong. <laughs> so, you know, I, and I do feel like we can be the doctor of ourselves about 80% of the time. And then I do feel like when there's something that comes up that we don't really know what to do, that we should have someone that we feel comfortable going to. And, you know, in that vein, I'm a practitioner myself, but I, if there's something that comes up for me, I always work with someone else, my mentor, someone that I trust, because it's really important to have someone that isn't quite as attached to what's going on with you that has kind of a broader picture right, right, right. that can help point you in the right direction. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of things that you said there. I mean, one of the things is this mechanistic view of, of health that it sounds like you're objecting to is that it's one way or, or the other. And, and I think what you're saying is your education needs to be broader than just, oh, you have this one, your body is broken in this particular way. And, and so you need to address it and, and, and you got an A problem. So we need a solution. But I think I hear a little bit of like, you have A, B and C and so you're gonna need D, E and F. Um, but it's a crowded marketplace of ideas, health and wellness. I mean, when you talk about a lack of access to information, um, I see a ton of information out there, but it is like, how do you separate the wheat from the chaff here? I mean, it's, right. uh, we're bombarded with, you know, accept your body, we have an obesity problem. You know, you're, we, we, you eat your vegetables. Well, a calorie is just a calorie. Don't worry about it. Uh, you know, the insurance companies, it, we, we compensate doctors the same, whether they prescribe metformin or if they take the time to address their diet. I mean, there is a lot of conflicting pieces. There's a lot of information in all points in different directions. So, um, you know, before I get into like your road to this decision to do this, I'm just curious, like when you're teaching them to fish, where do you even start? <laughs> like, how do you get them to like, you know, advise them on who to reach out to other than you, right? You're a trusted advisor, but they found right. you by luck or by, you know, I mean, what do you, how do you teach them that? Right. So I would addend that. <laughs> I would amend that by saying that, yes, accurate and effective health information. I right. think there's definitely a lack of access there. 
And when I talk to people about how to weed out what's true and what's going to be most effective for them, I tell them to look for the root, to keep going underneath until you can't get any deeper. Because I think that the reason that there's a lot of conflicting health information is that some of it is up here on the surface and some of it is down here at more of the root. Okay. Because when we're talking about, you know, a calorie is just a calorie um, versus obesity, it's, I find that people that are dealing with obesity are not, it is not a calorie issue. I agree. Yeah. I find that it's more of an inflammation issue, of a digestion issue. There's usually something going on there between digestion and the immune system that needs a little bit of support, especially if people are trying to lose weight. And, you know, through the usual avenues of eating cleaner, eating whole foods, moving more, and nothing is moving the needle, then there's usually something else going on there. So that's just one example of how to kind of think underneath it a little bit more. Um, And yeah, there are a ton of examples there as well. I mean, I see all this information out there that is conflicting. And to me, it's not, it's just layers. Okay. You just have to get to the bottom layer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I think for me, in, in terms of our dealing uh, in Arizona with, you know, my little circle of folks that are health and wellness, I mean, then you got to below that is just your relationship to food, which speaks to, you know, spiritual issue from, you know, my point of view too. So when you talk about mm-hmm. layers and getting to the root of things, um, I find it, you know, remarkably complex in terms of, it takes so much time too. And that I feel like conventional medicine is fairly gets a bad rap on certain things, but at the same time, they, they couldn't do what they do uh, in seven minutes. You know, like it takes a long time to unwrap what you're talking about uh, with somebody. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you need three months with somebody just to begin. And I, I'm yep. sure that's a lot of hours in those three months. Yeah. You've picked a you've picked a complicated and and not easy road. I mean that's a that's a you're struggling with uh, you're helping people with difficult things, which means that it's a lot of energy on your part. So I'm curious. I mean, did you come to the decision to go down this road? Like, was there an epiphany, or was it incremental? And over time, you decided like just piece by piece, this is the way I should be uh, taking my energy. Well, that has. A bit of a long answer. Okay. But with that, I would definitely say the short of it is that I came to holistic medicine through my own health issues. And in finally having them be resolved in a somewhat miraculous way, okay. I was like, wow, people need to know about this. Right. And people just don't know anything about this. Why don't they know? Why don't they know anything about this? And it is, I think there's that breakthrough for people when they've gone through a health issue and had it be miraculously supported back into balance when they've been told that there's absolutely nothing that they'll be able to do about it. You're just like, and then you just really want everyone to know what's possible for them. And, you know, I dealt with um, seizures from when I was seven to when I was 18. I figured out that it was actually an autoimmune reaction to gluten. Okay. So I never had gastrointestinal issues with gluten until I was about 18. And that's how I was able to figure it out because I did an elimination diet, this, that, or the other. I was like, 
wow, that really made me feel bad when I tried that thing again and cut it out and I never had another seizure again. However, that was me going it alone, right? And then a few years later, I had all of these issues with food and food allergies. And I had over 30 food allergies. I couldn't eat food. I, my skin was turning purple. I literally, yeah, I couldn't eat any oils. I couldn't eat any spices. I couldn't eat gluten, dairy, corn, um, potatoes, eggplants, pepper, just everything. It was a chicken and greens life for me for a while. And I went to all the doctors, went to the allergists, the gastroenterologists, and they all just kind of patted me on the head. And they're like, that sucks. Pay your copay on the way out. And then I found the GAPS diet, which is cool. However, it's very long and there's a lot of boiling things and there's a lot of eating bone broth or drinking bone broth soup. Can you put gaps in a nutshell for people just so that way they- they Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So the GAPS diet is essentially a diet to heal the gut, to try to help reverse food allergies because it's from the idea that food allergies come from imbalances in the gut, a perforated gut lining, all of that. So you drink a lot of bone broth. You pretty Mm -hmm. much drink bone broth for a couple of weeks, just trying to give the gut lining a chance to heal. And then you boil everything that you eat. Everything's pretty much in soup form. Um, Lots of organ meats and, um, and bone broth and bone marrow and things like that. And And then you start adding foods back in and I just couldn't get past dairy. And that's probably the second thing that you add back in, in that diet. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I need some help. So I looked for people who practice gaps in my area. There wasn't anyone that did, but there was someone that practiced another allergy reversal technique. And I went and saw her and within four months, I didn't have any more food allergies anymore, except for gluten. Wow. That was just a little bit more of a multi-layered thing. Mm -hmm. And I had a totally new body and glowing skin. And (laughs) I just suddenly looked like one of the most healthy people in the room in my entire life. I'd been gray and kind of emaciated and never felt good. And it was the most profound change in my life that could have possibly happened for me. Yeah. So after that, after that, I'm like, how did you do this? And she's like, I'm looking for um, an understudy. And I was like, yes, please. And so, you, so your journey, like uh, your experience sort of uh, informed your, where you put your energy in the, in the past. So you, you had uh, sort of one thing after another is what it sounds like. Like you had a lifetime up to, you know, when you began of, of discomfort. I mean, it sounds to me like there was very little that your body would have accepted as okay and that eating was a way to torture you in a certain sense. I mean, and that's food oh. is such a source of pleasure for us. That sounds very difficult. Um, yes. And then, so was it a function of your persistence that brought you to the counselor that helped you? Or was it just good fortune? Like, was it just luck? I think it was a bit of both. Okay. For the people who believe in manifestation, mm-hmm. I do believe it was a manifestation through determination because and I'm still pretty fiery but at that point I was very fiery and I was like no this doesn't make sense like people it's not 
it doesn't seem natural for people to just be this uncomfortable or broken. And I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I'm like, I'm going to find whatever it is that I need to yeah. not feel this way anymore. And yeah. so I just kept going. You kept going. Did a lot yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. My wife's a naturopath in Chandler, Arizona, a naturopathic physician. And, you know, I think her experience in some patients is that they just, they've come to her in a process of elimination. They've done everything that they're at the end of their rope. And, and then they've arrived there, which is a shame because I feel like in the country, we have a lot of walking well, you know, people who, who are making their way through, but they don't realize how good they should feel. Um, and it's not until they decline yeah. um, past what's their tolerance that then they seek out people like you or my wife. Um, so I'm curious now, I mean, there is a lot of forces in the world, economic forces, social forces that create um, the dynamic that you're trying to cut through. So what, what, what's the, the strongest forces in the status quo that keep people um, from starting with you instead of you know, waiting to their miserable then coming to you? So I mean, what, what, what creates that? I mean, at this point, it's hugely social. And it's socially accepted that this is the way that medicine is and this is the way that medicine works. And not to get too conspiratorial, but you know, if you just follow the money and the people who are able to lobby and the people who contribute to media sources and even like movies and stuff like that, I think it's really the things that are, I don't think it's necessarily talking about when we're talking about medicine directly that really makes its way into the psyche I think it's more these things like when you're watching a movie and it's like I'm sick oh obviously I will go to the doctor mm -hmm. with the white coat and who is an MD and yeah. then those things just become the social acceptance so when I'm saying maybe do something different people are like that's crazy nobody does that you know and yeah. so it really is just kind of a follow the money thing um those are yeah that's definitely one of the things that gets in my way the very most. Yeah, the, the kale lobby is rather weak in Washington. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> you think about the, you know, the pharmaceutical companies that attend to chronic disease and diabetes. I mean, we're talking about billions and billions of dollars. And, um, you know, the vegetable community is, uh, is, a, is a poor uh, uh, foe to, you know, I feel like, uh, I mean, the pharmaceutical industry for me, although it's done miraculous things for us, in many ways, uh, also feels like a very counterbalance to how do you how do you deal with people with lifestyle issues and, and choices rather than you know gravitating towards taking um, taking a pill. So in 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 your and people come in to see you and you begin your relationship with them. I mean, it sounds like you have to challenge them on some level. I mean, you have to challenge some assumptions. So. Like what are the, the, the deepest or hardest assumptions that you have to challenge with them uh, to get them to be open to what you're trying to, trying to teach them? Typically at this point in my career, the people that come to see me are pretty open. Okay. However, when I first started, the thing, when people would come in, it was very much, I have Hashimoto's and I'm like, you don't have to. <laughs> right, and right. they're like no I, that's this is what I have I'm diagnosed and I'm like you don't need to though like it's there are mechanisms underneath that that we can support it is not a box it is a range 
and you're free to move out of that range with the proper support. And people will be like, I don't know about that. That sounds a little bit crazy. And I'm like, is it though? <laughs> right, right. And yeah, yeah. I think getting people to think outside of the box of the diagnosis that they put in, they put themselves in is, is one of those things. So that's interesting. I mean, is one of the assumptions that they make that is that they can't get better. I mean, that person with Hashimoto's has come in to see you for help. And yet, you know, they're in the, they put themselves in the box that I'm, I'm, this is, I'm just managing this. I can't cure this. I mean, what, you know, that, that, that's interesting to me. What can you talk right. about? That? Yeah. And I think that when it comes to diagnoses, people do, they're like, okay, I'm going to go to someone holistic because I want someone that has this more full body approach. That's not going to prescribe me medication. That's going to actually listen to me so I can manage this better and maybe feel a little bit better. Right. But for me, the goal is always to not have it anymore. Right. Right. Yes. Like I've seen from so many people, like my mentor dealt with endometriosis and Hashimoto's for 20 years. And then she wow. found what she needed and she doesn't anymore. Her labs are perfect for her thyroid and no more cysts, no more pain. Wow. So, you know, and my business coach had MS and then she doesn't anymore. She's in remission. And yeah. I worked with um, Terry Walls who, cause I'm from Iowa city and she has created a leading MS protocol and you know, she's been in remission from MS for 20 years and she was in a wheelchair. So I'm just like, you can, you can completely heal it if you want to. It just might take some digging and some time and believing that you can. Right. Wow. Well, that, I mean, what, um, what amazing transformations you must be witness to because if someone comes in and they're like, I just want to get incrementally I just want to be better than I am now. And you're offering them, Hey, there's a way out. <laughs> you know, this is not, this is not a sentence. Uh, this is something that, um, yeah, that by the time someone has gone through this entire journey, if they leave the land of, Hey, I no longer have Hashimoto's or whatever. Um, that's a, that's, that's such a life-changing thing. I mean, it's so it's, it couldn't be more dramatic, right? I mean, it's a relief of right. suffering in a way that, um, well, let's say someone's listening to you and they may or may not be ready to say, come see you or come see someone in their circle of, you know, who they know that might be similar to, to, to what you do in the world. Um, so they're uncertain what they may want to do. They're not quite ready to make a commitment, but they, they're open to hearing about a small behavioral change that they could make that would more align them with what you try and teach people. So what's a behavioral change that someone can make just after listening to us, um, that might, might help them. The first thing that comes to mind is just being open to having a primary care practitioner that is a little bit more whole body focused and being more open to enlisting someone with that background before you feel really shitty <laughs> <laughs> to have someone in your corner. Yeah. What I would say. So the behavioral change might just be a, a mindset like, Hey, you don't have to be as isolated as you feel. You could enlist somebody to be on your side, which is the side of 
thriving rather than surviving. I mean, is that, is that? Yeah, right. And yeah. that they're and that diet and movement are really important, but there's also a lot more than that. Mm -hmm. And if you find the right person that can show you exactly where your body's at and the best and most efficient things to do to support it, there's a lot more that could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I like the idea of, uh, you know, dig a well before you're thirsty. I mean, if there's no sense in letting things get awful when you can, um, I'm, I'm 51 and I'm a, I'm a jujitsu athlete. And, uh, you know, among my circle of jujitsu players, uh, you know, I try to remind the younger people, like the leading cause of big injuries are small injuries. <laughs> you know? So right. as you ignore uh, things that are, you know, sapping your ability to be at full strength, thriving in your fullest self, you know, whatever, however you might like to describe that. Um, if you let it go, it just you progress towards it getting worse rather than, you know, as someone comes to see you, and they take a small step, they can be moving in the opposite direction. They can be moving towards like the fullest version of who they are. Um, you know, so it's hard to imagine you in, in your pre, before you address these issues, because you, you really, your skin is, for those of you who are seeing the video of this, you know, Chelsea's skin is remarkably uh, vibrant and you kind of, you have <laughs> a very you. healthy uh, disposition. You've done such dramatic work out there with people and, and this is life-changing work. When, if you were to tie an accomplishment to you, if you were like, hey, people think of me and they might think of the good work I do in the world. Can you describe something that you would like folks to, um, to know about you? Like what, what would be something you've accomplished that would be a part of your identity out there in the public world? Hmm. I think some of my greatest accomplishments are with my clients and the things that they've been able to overcome. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'll talk about someone recently. She came to me with heartburn, indigestion. Every time she would eat, she'd have to jump on a trampoline because she just didn't feel like anything moved. Oh <laughs> she had a lot of neurological pain as well and very heavy and painful periods. And she started working with me. And because a lot of it actually came from food allergies that she didn't know about, right? we were able to understand. And they were things that she was eating every day and they were strange right? Like some were like lima beans. Okay. They were extremely reactive in her IgG, which is an antibody food sensitivity test. And we cut those out and pretty much everything went away in two weeks. With the absence of lima beans, that was what the was absence of her, her, her four main food allergies okay. that she didn't know about. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, what's the quote like Anne Wingmore or Winmore? Like, uh, food is either your uh, safest medicine or your slowest poison. I mean, is that, I don't know if that's exactly the right quote, but that's the spirit. Yeah. Um, Close enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, True enough. Yeah. We, we, in Arizona, we've had a project called Grace Farms for years and we worked with local agriculture and, and these talented chefs. And we, uh, the intent was to say, uh, you know, the foundation of your health is food, you know, food and sleep effectively. And, uh, but it doesn't have to be a, um, 
a road of suffering, you know, you, that the best food is actually the most flavorful food. And if this lady, if lima beans were among the things that were torturing her, uh, she probably didn't have like the world's worst diet. I mean, that's an unusual thing to be eating all the time. So she probably thought she was doing good work, but she didn't, right. obviously her body was rejecting that. Yeah. And food allergies can be, uh, I don't want to say difficult to put a finger on, but just with the way that the body reacts to food, you could have a reaction to something a few days later. Yeah. You could, you know, it can take up to three days to feel your reaction to a food. So, you know, it's not remarkably uncommon for people to have sensitivities that they don't know about. Sure. And just in her case, she was really reactive to them. So yeah. that was just a really cool case that I had where I'm like, wow, two weeks. That's probably a record for me. That is, that's <laughs> for a, all that's, your symptoms to fall off. <laughs> my goodness, you're not kidding. That is amazing. Well, I think the barometer is how do you feel if you don't feel good? Something's up. I mean, something's keeping you. Your body wants to feel good. And so, yeah. you know, to go seek, you know, you or someone uh, like you out there in the world to, to orient themselves. I, I'll tell you, food allergies and mold are the two things that I am seeing out there in the world via, you know, just my research and my wife and people I talk to that are kind of right. hidden. They're just hidden from people's view. And they don't oh know, they don't, they don't, it doesn't occur to them to get tested because they're like, well, I'm eating just fine. I know. I have one too, honestly, not to throw a kink in our conversation because this is almost a whole other um, pathway. But the thing that I've been finding a lot lately are is viral load. And oh, not just with you know what's going on in the world right now. I've just had a lot of people come to me that are dealing with undiagnosed Epstein-Barr and that's why everything is crazy right. or all of their food allergy issues started when they were five or six right on the tail end of having chicken pox so now we have to go in and work with viral load and that's their true root cause and one of my mentors talks about how there's somewhat of a hierarchy uh, to pathogens in the body and how if someone's able to have this constant candida overgrowth or is just constantly has bacterial infections, that there's probably a viral load at the very foundation of it, holding it in place or allowing that to proliferate. So I've been working with viruses a lot lately and with really good results and just really understanding how that can be a root, root thing, oh, interesting. throwing the immune system out of balance. Well, that is a fascinating thing. And we could talk for a long time about that. So just as we kind of move to conclude here, um, you have a lot that you can offer people. You have a very you know, wide breadth of knowledge. You have a willingness to go deep with people in terms of you know, helping them with things. Where should people can see the show notes and we'll make reference to that. But someone may be saying, oh man, I need to find out about Chelsea right away. Where would be the best place for them to find you? My website would okay. probably be the best place. So it's honeydew health is the name of my practice. Dot care. That's an important part. <laughs> it's dot care instead of dot com. Okay. So. Honeydew. So we're talking like the melon D E W honeydew. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honeydew health dot care. Okay. So if uh, you're listening and, and you need immediate help from Chelsea, you can go to honeydewhealth.care. <laughs> Exactly. 
Well, Chelsea, I'm going to take us out here, but I'm so grateful that you took time with us and I appreciate you sharing um, yourself with us and the information that you have. So I'm really, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really fun conversation. Well, thank you. Well, today's Modern Revolutionary is uh, Chelsea Jeter. And like other people we've talked to, she has a very clear understanding about you know, what's going on in the world around her. And she's brave enough to bring her thoughts and ideas and her words to the arena. And I hope that she inspires you to do the same because the modern revolution needs all of our ideas. And I hope that you don't keep them locked away. 